Welcome everyone to Melantopia episode four. Today we're talking about Windows versus Linux operating systems. We'll start with introductions. So my name is Snow and I'm joined here by three co-speakers. So we have Howard. My first. name is Howard and I'm an advocate for free software. All right, Harvey. Uh, I use both my, uh, uh, Microsoft <laughs> and Linux. I'm the one that brings you this, uh, Modded experience right, with the so... build pre-existing by Empt. Mm -hmm. We're playing modded Minecraft, which is pretty pretty cool. And we also have yeah. Empt, so Empt is phasing in and out of existence. Uh, can you tell me a bit about yourself, Empt? Uh, I'm a, a Microsoft user and I'm Harvey's girlfriend. Alright, so let's begin with the main differences. <laughs> so Linux is unique in that it has this concept of distros. Could you please have someone explain what distros are? The great thing about Linux is that it isn't an operating system, it's a family of systems using the Linux kernel. There is no flagship Linux system, unlike Windows, and this really liberates the user into choosing whatever OS they like, be it Linux Mint, Gentoo, Fedora, many, many others. There's a lot of differences between the various distros, like, we have some of the more, like, beginner-friendly distros, where there's not much configuration that you have to do, and then you have more advanced distros. So tell us about those, Harvey. Well, I've never used Gentoo in a bigger, you know, way, but I've used Arch. Uh, with Arch, it's do it yourself. You pick what you want to do. Uh, same with Gentoo, but the differences that I see with Gentoo and Arch Linux is that Arch uh, gives you pre-built packages but in Gen 2, you have to make your own packages. So mm -hmm. you compile them for source. Right. And in Windows, there are no distros. Next for a second. Snow, what are you looking at? <laughs> oh, I'm looking at all of us. I'm looking <laughs> I'm in third person. So Windows only comes in essentially one flavor, and everyone uses that. So there's not as much uh, choice there. What about the concept of open source versus closed source? So you uh, said, uh, Howard, you said that you're you're an open source advocate. Can you tell me what that means? I'm an advocate for free software, which allows modification of the source code, full transparency. There there are no closed doors mm -hmm. for the for the software that you're using with free software. You I have disagree. complete freedom with which with whatever you want. And what Howard mentioned about open source is uh, in opposition to what's called closed source software, which is proprietary. You can't see the source code and it's developed by corporations that want to sell it for a profit. Like uh, Microsoft, of course, wants to sell Windows for a profit. And we can't replicate Windows on our own. Um, so the other major difference is that Linux has a collaborative community and there are a bunch Can of I users. For a moment? Yeah, of course. When you said closed software is monetized often, which it is, there is you you can also monetize open source software easily. For example, yeah. Threema, you can compile it yourself, <laughs> but you can't use their software until you buy it. Can we, can we also look at Red Hat? I'm pretty sure Red Hat is open source, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Red Hat's open source, but you don't get the support unless you buy it. Visual Studio Code has closed sourced uh, parts as well. Can't forget that. But the main bit of it, uh, code OSS, that's completely open source. Right. Does that make does that make code a Visual Studio Code closed source or open source? Visual Studio Code is mixed source, but code, what it's based on, that's open source. Mm -hmm. Okay. So some of the functionalities can be monetized, then even with open source. 
but in general, open source is associated with free software and closed source is typically, um, typically for profit. So the last difference that we want to mention is Linux has a large collaborative community of users. And that's contrasted with Microsoft where we're sort of more seen as customers and we get product support from the corporation of Microsoft, but it's not like, it's a different relationship, right? Like the relationship Linux has with its users is very different from Windows users, which are seen as more as customers. But let me just uh, point in, with, with, with that view, a lot, a lot of people in, for example, Arts Linux, you've got the forums, a lot of people are willing to help you, you know, with your issues right then aren't um i find when i get issues with my windows install i have to figure out how to fix it myself because sources online aren't detailed enough or right. no one wants to interact to help with this problem right so it's sort of like you have to uh, figure it out on your own and you don't have a bunch of others who are in the same boat assisting you on yeah. the, the great site known as Stack Exchange or Dish's specific forums. All right, so now that we've gone over the main differences between Windows and Linux, let's discuss the capabilities. First of all, I would like to discuss package managers because that's often posed as a major difference. But recently, as in last year, June 2020, I believe, Windows uh, had its own native package manager added, which is actually open source, and it's called WinGet. And aside Actually, from that, oh, sorry, uh, go ahead. WinGet has been in development for the past year. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, I should have done it uh, later, uh, earlier, uh, now, sorry. But I I just now use WinGet to install 7-zip. Unfortunately, we don't have that on video. Mm -hmm. So That's uh, all right. Yeah, but go on, go on. Oh, and there are also other uh, Windows package managers like Chocolatey, but I think that package managers are more of a, they're, they're, they're more emblematic of Linux. For example, um, you have Pac-Man for, for Arch, and you have AURPM, which is uh, for AUR. Get it AURPM. Mm -hmm. uh, let's just put the fine print in. AURPM is a heavily, it's in heavy development, and mm -hmm. it's a, uh, package manager for the AUR. Um, it's not official and it can be found in two places on GitHub and GitLab. Do not get confused with the the C version. That one I've no I never used before. Neither am I gonna use, neither am I going to endorse. Mm -hmm. But if you want to, you know, get a C version of AURPM, feel free to get to use it. If you want the Python version, the the version that I develop, feel free to, you know, find that and don't get confused with AURPM Lite, right. which is in heavy development and is not ready for anyone to use. Fun print out of the way. Let's talk about gaming because that's one of the, uh, the main concerns about people who want to switch from Windows to Linux is that some of the games will not be as compatible. But there are ways around that. We discussed that in the first episode, but let's just refresh our viewers' memories. So Wine and Proton. Tell me about Wine. 
So wine is wine stands for wine is not an emulator. Pretty big brain. Um and it translates Windows programs. This this is not a good explanation of wine, but to my understanding it translates Linux sorry, Windows applications into Linux. So any syscalls that, that program makes is then forwarded or translated into Linux usable you know, syscalls, and then given to the kernel. The mm-hmm. uh, one of the latest kernel, not latest. One of the Linux uh, kernels, and onwards from that version, has more support for Wine applications, and knows how to handle certain syscalls that Windows applications would make. So, right. and Proton is a version of Wine, to my understanding. But a... It's based on wine. It's wine with a few extra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How um Howard, could you tell us too about your experiences using either one of those? I've had great experiences using both wine and Proton. Mm-hmm. They lot most single player games will work. Most of them will always work, like ninety percent. But when it gets down to multiplayer games like battle royales, like Fortnite or Apex, you'll run into issues because they use very intrusive anti-cheats like battle eye or easy anti-cheat. Right. So in that case, it can be difficult if you primarily play multiplayer battle royales. It can be difficult to switch from Windows to Linux. Uh, let's discuss programming. Um, I want to touch on this because there are some programs. Oh, Empt is back. Hello, Empt. Empt is back in the game. There are some there are some programs that are common for data science, like in biology, of course I'm a biologist. They're they're only compatible in Linux, for example, Max, which is looking at where proteins are binding to DNA. You cannot run that in Windows. You'd have to get on your virtual machine or SSH to a Linux type server and use it there. Um, and a lot of things are developed in Linux and only usable in Linux, and they come out with Windows-compatible versions later on, or sometimes never. So that's another advantage that uh, Linux might have over Windows. And the final difference... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I'd say that Linux is the best system if you want to be a computer programmer, because it supports nearly every language, and they're very easy to install the compilers and interpreters for each language with the simplicity of a package manager. Oh, definitely, I agree. The last capability I would like to talk about is cryptocurrency mining. We talked about this last episode, but just to refresh everyone's minds, um, with cryptocurrency mining, you can either use your GPU or CPU, and that would then use your system's resources to verify transactions, and as a reward, you get some small amount of whatever You get a share of that transaction. Yeah, exactly. So, tell me about your experiences with mining, uh, Harvey. So, um, I'm a crypto miner. I mine a uh, big list now. It, it expanded from last episode. I mine Monero, Dogecoin, Wownero, and Rio. Mm-hmm. So, those are all the coins that I mine. And mining on Windows is worse than mining with Linux, because Linux doesn't require much... Like, it doesn't need a lot of system resources to run, but Windows does. Mm-hmm. So you can give more resources to the mining application than 
you can on Windows, because Windows still needs stuff for itself, so does Linux, but Linux needs much less. Uh, right. I don't know the actual, actual specifications of how much RAM and CPU Linux will need, but I know it's not much. Right. And you get such as Rage X, it's a Linux distribution that is specially built for mining. Mm -hmm. And it will use most of the system resources, but one core just for itself, so it can continue. It can continue operating. Right. Yeah, with Windows, you have so many background processes, and that's especially a problem with CPU mining, which you do for Monero and some other crypto. And so, Wellnero. Yeah, and Wellnero. So your efficiency would be much lower, and that thus you'd you'd be using your CPU at the same rate and slowly burning it out but you'd get a lot less crypto so that doesn't make sense economically only burn out the cpu if it's not being cooled correctly mm -hmm. um if if you're not cooling the device you're mining or fast enough the silicon will get damaged yeah but if you're cooling it fast enough and the silicone isn't overheating then you'll be fine right okay so the next topic is privacy so tell me about cortana howard cortana is spyware that microsoft implemented into windows with the release of i think windows was it windows 8.1 or windows 10 i, I think mean, it was windows 10. i thought it was windows 8 that cortana like arrived onto the scene but i could be mistaken i'd like to cut in there if i may um, Cortana is named after the girl in uh, Halo, Halo. Mm -hmm. and I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that so is pretty I don't, cool. I don't... <laughs> Cortana came in Windows 10, to my understanding. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was Windows 10. Mm -hmm. If my opinion means anything. It does. It uh, does. Uh, <laughs> so... important to us. But it serves the same purpose as Siri or Alexa or OK Google. It's just another yeah. virtual assistant. To let the it... government spy on you. Well, worse, it's letting private corporations that are not they're, they're not uh, held responsible for their actions, right? So yeah, they are. Well, more not to the, the extent that they probably should be. More than the they're held to the they're, they're responsible than the government. It could be China, you know. Mm -hmm. They're not very held to their actions. <laughs> I, uh, I would I, I would trust Biden near my data. I will tell you that. Oh, <laughs> let's not get into politics. Stealthy dog. <laughs> okay, let's talk about why uh, Cortana is so is such a it's such an issue. So this is an example of telemetry. Can someone explain how to, what is telemetry and why is it such an issue? You don't know what's be what what's being sent to the the receiving end. Mm -hmm. uh, for all you know. Your, your, how can I say this? Uh, you know, let's skip that part. Um, for all you know, your passwords could be being sent to the company. Right. They are. Windows 10 has a keylogger. It's only in HP laptops. It is. I thought yeah. it was in every in in machine you installed Windows to. No, there, there was a... HP laptops now. It's 2020. Who get, 2021. Who gets HP laptops? <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean. so like, next time you're gonna be saying you have a you have a notebook Dell. Oh no. <laughs> Do you have a notebook Dell? No, I don't. 
I can't believe they let HP in charge of our nuclear systems. I can't Do believe I it. I mean... The only company, the only English company that's powerful enough to control our nuclear systems is Hewlett and Packard. And they haven't updated them. Because if they update that's them, then they're liable for attack in that I didn't short know. time. I didn't know the UK had nuclear missiles. That makes sense, though. Yeah, we. Yeah, when we. But no, you don't have the Trident. Do you want? Do you want to know? We we we're increasing them by like five hundred billion or something like that. Mm -hmm. But um, but us in America work on nuclear missiles together, and America just take our research and go piss off. Mm -hmm. But because they're the biggest country, because they're the biggest country, the most powerful country, we just have to take it. Right. And just continue being their friends. Whoa. And they broke up into the roof. Because we were we were originally working together to try and beat the Soviets uh, for nuclear missiles. And then when we got close, they just kicked us off and we had to find our own. So we were the third country to get nuclear missiles. Wee. Oh my gosh, how uh, you put so holes in my roof? I'm sorry, I was I was punching the air and I accidentally punched the roof. She got excited and she broke the roof. Okay, so if let's say our audience, some of them still want to use Windows, how do you reduce telemetry? How do you disable Cortana and reduce the phoning home that Windows uh, is notorious for? Oh, one point I forgot to mention is when Windows is conducting telemetry or Windows updates, it will take 80% of your bandwidth from mm -hmm. you just to do those actions. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I can vouch for that. So, when you know when your data is being stolen, when your internet is very slow or bad. Right. That's I don't fair. mind having my data stolen. One way you can lower the amount, not the amount, but the percentage that it takes mm -hmm. from your internet connection, the amount of bandwidth it takes, is using a registry key which mm -hmm. I have completely forgotten about, but I can send the the reg file right. uh, that you that people can install to lower the amount that Windows takes, so it takes an equal share mm -hmm. of your bandwidth, unlike stealing eighty percent. Right. Uh, oh, and another thing other is that, that when you're when you're installing Windows, you have to manually turn off a lot of the telemetry because it's on by default. Like personalized ads are on by default, and so you have to go through yourself and, uh, yeah. and fix that. Speaking about the Windows setup, I've got, uh, let's say, I've got Windows 11 mm -hmm. SE. Uh, I'm gonna install it. Oh yeah, we if you're willing we'll to talk do about all that. that later. If you're willing to do all that, then you may as well get, like, Linux. I'm just saying, like, there is... If you want to nail it down to the bottom key, if you can be bothered, then mm -hmm. use Linux. But if you can't be bothered, then, then don't, because it's just a little bit of extra effort that, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of people aren't willing to put in. Some are. Right. But yeah. Like if you if you if you if you can be bothered to like make sure that win to make sure you delete the telemetry or whatever the hell you guys are on about, then honestly there is there is you may as, there is no there is no reason to even be there. You may as well just get Linux because you can obviously be bothered to make sure you're safe online. That is, I think that's a fair fair critique. But I also think there's a what's it called? There's like a middle ground between two options and trying to mitigate the. Uh, the privacy concerns of Windows. I think that's a reasonable middle ground. 
maybe slightly, but mm -hmm. that'd be like to the extent of getting a VPN. I wouldn't say that'd right. be the extent of actually doing anything. Oh, VPNs are like a whole other uh, can of worms. <laughs> Let's talk yeah. about security because I think that's that's quite spicy. Let's talk about the famous viruses and trojans and worms that affect Windows versus Linux. So the Linux, the the only reason, and I maintain this, that Linux is more chosen by companies to hold their like important details is because it's because less people use it and that means you're less likely to be hacked less people use linux and you're less likely to be hacked that's the only there's the only extra defense in my opinion against against getting hacked is because less mm -hmm. people use it i think there are some there are some fundamental aspects of linux that protect it though for example Linux gets updates really quickly if there are vulnerabilities, except, okay, I read a research or news article that there is a vulnerability that existed seven years ago and it finally got fixed like last week, but that is an That's exception. That's because Paul kit vulnerability. Yeah. That was because it went unnoticed. Mm -hmm. No one knew about it. Yeah. Right. But in general, Linux vulnerabilities get patched very quickly. Um, the dishes that we we're talking about, there's a lot of diversity in them and some of them have uh, inbuilt security measures like cubes, which separates all of your, all of, all of the things that you're doing online. And the reason the vulnerabilities get patched so quickly is because they have the whole community around them that are willing to fix it. Mm -hmm. Right. And also there's lack of root access because I think that you have a different like password for just a general account versus uh, administrator access in Linux, correct? And a lot of things you can run in Linux without giving them pseudo access. But there are viruses and botnets that affect Linux. For example, Bad Bunny, which is just one example. Um, there's also Bliss, which requires root access. And there's some Trojans also, like Hand of Thief, but these, in general, they're less destructive and less widespread than Windows uh, viruses. Can anyone give me an example of a famous Windows virus? Uh, WannaCry. Mm -hmm. uh, it affects yeah, most of the older systems, and it took down the entire NHS. Not the entire, but a big portion. Yeah, let's uh, go to pen and paper. Yeah. Mm. I think there was one recently by... Oh, I forgot their name. But they uh, they took down the Irish healthcare system mm -hmm. and they had to go back to pen and paper. You so, also uh, got this, the... Uh... Colonial pipeline. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was Windows or, or uh, the uh, Linux. Uh, it, was a, it was because one of the employees got their credentials stolen and yikes right. well that, that's really unfortunate because they actually paid up i believe although the fbi later reclaimed a lot of the payment but it had huge economic that, impacts on that was the the payment that they required was not was the the so how the attacking group worked dark side worked is people would buy their hacking services mm -hmm. and they would do the job right uh, Darkseid got away with their 25% cut and the buyers of the hack got caught. That's, to, that's my understanding. Mm, that makes sense. That makes sense. 
But yeah, so in terms of security, Linux generally comes out on top for various reasons. Um, and there are just not as many viruses that affect Linux, and the ones that do generally are not as destructive, and they do not spread as fast, and they get fixed faster. Now let's talk about customizability. So can someone discuss uh, how, how customizable is Linux versus Windows? Uh, so as a Windows user, I could edit some aspects of it, like the colors, mm -hmm. but that's all I could really do. Right. Uh, you know. But with Linux, you have it's... desktop environments like KDE, and they're yeah. modular, and you can swap out different parts of them and just completely change the aesthetic of your GUI. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. some people, they, they like their blur, and they make every window just have a blurred background. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of sick. I want an emulator, I just don't know how to. Uh, right, that sounds, that sounds cool. You also got like DWM, where it's like a make it yourself mm -hmm. type, you know, make it. Uh, how can I say this? You write the code, like the config. You mm -hmm. decide what you want and what you don't want down to the letters. That's my understanding, at least. Howard uses DWM. I have no idea how it works. You don't have to use DWM or KDE or GNOME or whatever you want. You, you, like, you're not forced to use what the operating system wants you to use. Mm -hmm. You can install whatever you want, and that's the great thing about it. You don't want to use sudo, use do as. You don't want to use systemd for your that's init strange. system. Use, use, uh, what's it, run it, or s6, or openrc. Mm -hmm. You don't want to use, uh, network manager, then don't. You don't have to. That's the great thing about it. There are no yeah. rules. Do whatever you want with your I system. I love that. That's excellent. All right, so... The last major point that we'll talk about is user-friendliness. I think customizability leads into this well because part of user-friendliness is how well you can customize your system. And it, from what Howard has said, it seems that you have so many possibilities with that for Linux. You have KDE, you have GNOME, you have DWM. You can replace some of the most basic commands like sudo with, with others. You can so. just write your own window manager if you want to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But with user-friendliness, uh, mm -hmm. one thing that Microsoft has done very doo-doo is with the Windows 11 leak, uh, if if you pay touch my screen, this is how you install Windows 11, bypassing that restriction of the TPM 2.0 chip. one second, let me switch over to, to that. All right. So you so. have to execute all these commands just to install Windows 11. I will press enter and it should start installing, if mm -hmm. I've done it right. And I've had to do all this just to get it, just to bypass the uh, the the uh, the TPM two restriction that it has. Right. Uh, so installation of Windows eleven very user unfriendly. Although this is a leak, isn't it? Yeah, this this is actually Windows eleven SE, mm -hmm. but. Truth be told, that this 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 feature, let's call it a feature, of having this restriction is this build is the only one that has that mm -hmm. restriction. So I don't know if future builds will have this restriction, but the chip is essentially useless unless you want to use BitLocker. Mm -hmm. That's it. And you have to do all this just to install it, and it's it's installing right now. 
Oh, that's horrifically slow, also. Yeah. Oh, no. And then I have, uh, and then I, I'm gonna spend the extra time in skipping OOBE, uh, out of books, out of books experience, because I want mm -hmm. to. But, uh, like, this, you know, mm -hmm. unless you run it in a virtual machine, this is a virtual machine. I have just done a hardware install to prove that if you were to hard, uh, I said, I, this is a virtual machine. I'm manually installing it to prove that you have to do all this just to get a hardware install mm -hmm. of this version. So those videos that say there's a restriction and you can't bypass it, I am bypassing it here right now because it's a quirk with the installer. Mm -hmm. So th there's a bit of debunking there. So for right. example, Linus Tech Tips, they could have got it installed. On their hardware, yeah. they didn't have to bypass. Uh, they didn't have to do a GP. Uh, they didn't have to uh, pass through a GPU. They mm -hmm. could have just done this. Right. So we're calling out Linus Tech Tips. Oh, spicy. Yeah, they didn't have to go through the troubles to bypass. Uh, not bypass. Pass through a GPU to Windows 11. They mm -hmm. could have just done this to get it on their right their rig. Getting back on the subject of user-friendliness, though, there's a wide range of it for Linux because you have a lot of distros that are very beginner-friendly, like Linux Mint, Debian, Ubuntu, whereas some are more uh, some are more advanced. You have to compile everything manually, like Arch. And in contrast, although Windows has less as op fewer options, it's generally considered dummy-proof. Like as for the average end user, it just works and most likely you're not going to destroy everything. The chance that you will break a Windows installation is extremely hard. Uh, Windows actually has some self-repairing properties. Mm -hmm. There was a NTFS bug uh, where if you were to access a certain file, uh, it would crash. Right. And if you turn that into a batch file, that batch file would either get deleted or its contents completely wiped. Because Windows saw that that was the source of the error and removed it. Mm -hmm. So Windows does have that self-repairing capabilities. Uh, yeah. Linux does not. Uh, isn't, isn't there a way to delete your entire system with Linux with just a few letters? Yeah, so... RMRF slash. What, what is it, R? Uh, uh, it's RM-RF slash mm -hmm. dash dash no preserve dash root. That's beautiful. That's so elegant. I think it's no, uh, no uh, preserve dash root or one word or mm -hmm. it's split up into different words. But I know there are the words no preserve root. Right. Now, as the as the image is being applied, so can you tell me more about Windows Eleven? Like, how did you get this exactly? Uh, well, there's there's a we can't say. I can't, we can't say where we got it from because oh. Microsoft is dealing DMCA strikes oh, on gosh. people that do share where oh, you gosh. got it from. So I'm not going to say okay. how That's I Microsoft got, salty. I'm not going to say salty. how I got access to this ISO, mm -hmm. but there are, and I'm not encouraging software yeah, piracy. We're not, we're not encouraging that at all. Like this but is it, just for educational purposes. 
Yeah, so uh, I was on a website and I saw that someone got a DMCA strike on their website mm -hmm. because they were hosting uh, the Windows 11 ISO. Mm -hmm. So okay. just just be careful there. Yeah, we will, we will be. Yeah, we're not encouraging people to go out and get the Windows 11 leak. I just think it's important to know about it because eventually this will be released and it's going to affect the lives of millions of people. And so... Well, only in 2025. In 2025. When... But that's, trust me, that that's not as far away as as it seems. Also, uh, this build... Of, would, this, this isn't... Uh, let me just draw uh, some miscomps... Uh, let me debug some, th uh, uh, some theories. Mm -hmm. Windows, this is not the exact Windows 11. This is Windows 11 SE. Mm -hmm. So this isn't what your desktop is going to be receiving mm -hmm. as an update. It's based, to my understanding, it's based heavily off Windows uh, Windows 10 Insiders uh -huh. with a bit of additions and that make it Windows 11 SE, not Windows 11. Okay. That's fair. So, so it's not exactly the same product that end users will receive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, also, the some people uh, that aren't experienced in exploring old Windows, uh, old Windows uh, betas that have been leaked, don't understand that Windows puts a lot of placeholders in mm -hmm. that are from older versions. So as you can see here, that's the Windows 10 logo. Mm -hmm. But if you go back a page, it isn't. Mm -hmm. So, oh, the image you know. has the image has been applied. Yeah, What's I need the... to copy the uh, the EFI files to the sister partition to make it work. Okay. So Windows Eleven is a very exciting future direction for Windows itself, but I want to also talk about the future of Linux. So I think one of Part of the future of Linux is that I believe that it will be more adopted by the mainstream commun community, especially by game developers and programmers and tech professionals in general. Windows Windows 11 will have support for these because how it goes is Windows 7 is support Windows 7 applications are supported by Windows 10, mm -hmm. and Windows 11 will support 7 and 10 programs. Okay. So, I, I thought that wouldn't there be any issues with compatibility with Windows 11 or uh some assuming that it, certain syscalls they make mm -hmm. aren't in Windows 11 but uh window uh Microsoft's track record of compatibility minimizes this risk so okay. it should work that's good to know so I know that Harvey you've been working on uh, Rust in the Linux kernel. Can you tell me about that? Because I believe well, that's also another, that's a major goal of Linux yeah, in so the future. I want to rewrite a file, uh, just a single file in mm -hmm. the Rust kernel, or even rewrite a kernel driver in Rust. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't picked the file yet, I just want a simple one because I'm a, a new Rust programmer. I need to do something about this. Yeah, hold on. Okay. Uh, um, can I anyone... disagree with okay. um, the fact that when I know I'm just disagree here, but I just I strongly 
disagree with Linux is going to be adopted by the normal people. Uh, absent, like with the trend of the where people of where with the trend of you know this is kind of like sociology more than actual the actual thing. But we've always been pursuing quicker and quicker options, quicker and quicker, faster and faster. You know, mm-hmm. like is it is natural that linux is gonna there's always gonna be people that use linux and it'll always attract some people but eventually it's gonna die out as the horse did as a mode of transport because we're always looking for the faster option unfortunately people aren't willing to do that it's the few extra steps it takes to ingratiate themselves into linux the user and I, that is that is to do with user friendliness and i know how it disagrees with me there but the stats would just simply disagree with the stats just completely disagree with him is that people people want the easiest thing and linux the way it would have to change as a software it would have to completely change before it would be adopted by the normal public more people might use it but it's not going to gain that much and it's never going to be the norm the thing is most people using computers they only use their computer as a bootloader for google chrome they hardly care what's in their system or what like you could write arch to look like windows and they wouldn't even notice yeah however Gosh. they don't however they don't like the they don't like the word arch they, they won't like care the word, they like the word windows. as long as they have google the chrome linux. they're fine linux is seen by the by the public as linux isn't seen by the public silly, that's the issue to the update no i, I want to tell you how, you know i saw linux i saw it as an old boring software oh my I saw it as you didn't know what it was yeah, I didn't know what exactly. Exactly, I no one knows like, what it is. Yeah, that no they're one's going to be willing, but they're not willing to learn. They're not willing to know, and that's I why mean, Linux will never succeed. The purpose of they're our podcast to is to spread, you know, spread information about Linux to get more people familiar with it, at least. Yeah, but this podcast is going to work. They're not interested well. in it because they this, haven't this, been told about it yet. This podcast is going to work well for the people that are that already are interested in code or are interested in. PC somewhat, but still use Windows. This could mm-hmm. hit no the edge to try out Linux and get the turn the water. However, you need to target the the issue that people aren't switching to Linux. You need to target at a way lower level. Mm-hmm. Way, if you really want to m- m- shift the masses, uh, pe- people are literally use their computer to to go and watch their favorite YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. That because like you like right now. Right now, you like you're doing you're doing a good job for Linux. You are getting people that are on the edge, that care about their safety, that care about this stuff, and that are interested in it. Switch over, right. but it ultimately it, people just yeah, as I said, they just don't really care. Yeah, and they want the easiest. They want the easiest and the quickest, and Linux isn't that. I, no matter what it looks like, it isn't that. I mean, I I still think there will always be a core of tech yeah. professionals. There's like a huge industry of people who work in tech and programming data science that will rely on Linux. And I agree, but eventually, being... as, as computers upload, I, in a hundred years, I don't see Linux being a thing. We, I mean, we I, won't I, be I, a I, thing I in a hundred years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. But like, um, I did not see, let's say if nothing changed, I don't see Linux surviving a surviving hundred years. You know, as I'll go back to the old, I'll go to my saying I said before with the horse and cart. There was always a core people that loved the horse and cart that would that were still driving it, that were you know professional professionals at driving it. There were cab drivers using the horse and cart. However, they, you know, they still they still went for 
better modes of transport, faster, faster, quicker things. Because in the grand scheme of things, computers are still brand new, and there are still and in, in ultimately using a computer is still subjective. Mm. Like not everyone, but eventually that's going to be standardized. You know, standardized. You're all going to have an image of what you know you to use a computer for. You're just going to have you're always going to have an image of what you of what a computer is and how it should look. And that just the way it is going right now. There would have to be a massive change so that Linux would not even be resemblable for for Linux to be seen, to be carried into the future the way that Microsoft will be, or another better operating system that, that might come along to be. What do you mean Linux won't be resemblable? Um, it would have to completely, completely transition out of the way it looks right now. Linux doesn't the, have a look, that's in the, the public thing. Eye. Yeah, it does. It does. The way it's seen in the public eye. I do I did not do that much research into Linux. However, the way I saw it was an outdated was an outdated software that nerds use. Okay. Oh my That's how I saw it. And now I've now I've learnt more. Now I've learnt more. However, the by the public eye, that is how that is how I saw it. Because I knew my, my aunt used to use it and all I knew was that all I know was that some gate was that some of the favourite games I couldn't play on a computer because of Linux. That's all I know. That's all I knew up until about a few, about a year ago, or maybe a bit longer than that. This is all I knew is that it didn't work on some games, which made me automatically assume that it, that it was outdated. And that's why it didn't work on games. But no, it's not because it's not been adopted by enough people yet. Exactly, it doesn't have the networking effects that stuff like Windows has because everyone uses Windows, so more people are going to want to use Windows instead of this Linux. What is Linux? <laughs> what is people Linux? don't know what Linux is. <laughs> oh, so just to steer the conversation differently, the last thing I want to talk about is the idea of putting Linux on more smartphones. So I believe that both uh, Android and iPhone are based on Linux, but they're not exactly like Linux operating systems in the sense that we would use Linux, correct? Like it, they're not open source. They're not like perfectly customizable. If you root your phone, uh, you break the warranty, stuff like that. But there is a low-cost Linux-based smartphone called the Pine Phone that was released in the recent weeks. It's only $149, and so I think that getting Linux on more um, on more types of tech that people use in their everyday life will be very helpful. For can I interject for a second? Yes, please. All right. First thing I'm going to say: I iOS and Mac OS and iPad OS, whatever new OS they want to introduce, they're not based on Linux. They're based on Apple's Darwin operating system, which is based mm -hmm. on FreeBSD. Okay. It's similar to Linux, but it's not Linux. It's just another. It's just another Unix. Mm -hmm. uh, but Android itself is completely based on Linux. But if you want a true Linux experience that's not Android, I would suggest PostMarket OS. It's a fantastic okay. mobile operating system that works on nearly every Android phone. Okay. And we'll have a link link for that below. We'll have links for. A lot of the things that we mentioned, like KDE and DWM, we'll have links down for some of the Linux issues that we talked about, like Arch, so you can read more about it. But that essentially concludes the podcast. Today we talked about some major differences between Windows and Linux. Thank you everyone for listening, um, and catch you on the next episode. Bye! Ciao! Adios!